is this recording? We're pretty sure. I just want to make sure because I'm, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, someone who's disappeared from our midst, uh, a, a citizen of loss, um, this guy Riley, who some of you may know. I'll talk about him a little bit later, but I told him that this would be on the internet, so I want to make sure that he can hear it. No, nothing is yet. <laughs> this one matters. Usually, I don't care. Um, nothing is ever lost on the internet, unfortunately. Um, those Facebook photos. Okay, so um, as I was saying before, this text is weird. It's weird um, because the metaphors or analogies that Jesus is speaking in, like about about God, how God is to be seen or how we can imagine God or how, can, how God will manifest um, in our lives are, um, are zany and out of whack and also kind of um, on the surface problematic. Like we were talking before, Brandy was like, oh yeah, it's one of those where like they talk about slaves as if it's no big deal. It's like, oh yeah, if you're a slave and your master comes back, like, you know, the reasons that, um, one of the many reasons this old book is, uh, is hard to get into, hard to see ourselves into. Um, so there's, there's God as the slave master, <laughs> and then God as a thief. He says, um, he'll come back like a, he'll come like a thief in the night. Um, like I was saying, these are attempts to um, follow up on that first thing, don't be afraid, little flock. Hey, Chris, <laughs> you appeared out of nowhere. Um, and, uh, their, their attempts to reassure these folks that even though um, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who's supposed to like make it all good, pull it all together, um, uh, bring in this new era, this new reign, this new kingdom, um, to reassure them that even though I'm going away, I mean, he's, he's sort of saying, he's kind of foreshadowing um, the master, the Lord, they call him Lord Kurios in Greek, uh, is going away, and, and then also, uh, but then he's going to come back in this weird way, but if we're vigilant, if we stay up, um, he'll come back um, in a different way, and then also compares himself to a thief, um, but it's confusing. It says the master, now all of a sudden the master of the house um, his house wouldn't have been broken into if he knew what time the thief was going to come. So the thief is Jesus, um, and, and, and we're left thinking, why, is, why are we supposed to be happy about that? Why are we supposed to be happy about a God who's breaking and entering um, and a slave master? Um, the, uh, there's some odd ways in which this little flock, if we are a little flock, um, faces some similar things. I mean, so it's talking about Riley. This, this is like the summer of disappearance. There's some, if you're newer or visiting, um, you'll be like, I don't care. But <laughs> there are some people here who do. There's some, we're all in our 20s and 30s. We're part of this rootless, drifting, um, maybe like narcissistic generation where uh, we're, we move around more, and some beloved members of this community are leaving this summer. I could like list them all off, but um, there's there's a handful of of uh, 
of good, of good people that are leaving. Um, and it's hard and, you know, for me, and maybe for some of you here, for whom the existence of God is a little bit of an open question, or it's not to be taken granted for in the same way that maybe it is for other people, it's hard to deny that, okay, well, we don't know if God's really there, but we know that church is here. And one of the cool things about Christianity is they see God in what they call the body of Christ. So that one of the ways God is manifest is in a group of people who are learning to love each other um, fumblingly, um, awkwardly, but more and more. That's one of the ways God is present. That's, that's, that's how we can get a taste of what all this like God loves you, God created the world, um, God, God sees you. It's, it's like this is how we know that part of reality, there's at least a part of reality for which that is true. It's not all just cold and um, oppressive and lifeless. Um, so if that's where we, where we are, and we're not always sure about this whole God stuff, like, like, and then this community, but we also see that it is subject to loss, that people can leave. Um, maybe not for all of you, but for me, that brings up a little bit of fear. That brings up a sense of like, wait, this thing that, um, this, this point of, uh, of care, of holding, of, of stability, of goodness um, is a little ephemeral. Um, and that can lead us to just like seeing, just like having people in our lives, in our midst, who show us um, genuine love and concern can um, give us a taste and, and maybe a sense that like, there is something like that, in, that there's at least a corner of the universe where that's true. The opposite is also true, that like seeing it fall apart or seeing it dissipate can bring up the specter. I would suggest that whoever is giving us reality, whoever is give us, giving us life is maybe rather than a compassionate friend or a loving, uh, loving giver of reality, it's something more like a slave, like a, a slave, like a lord or a master who is um, sort of lording reality over us, like taking stuff away. Or it can give us a sense that God or the one who gives reality, gives life, is like a thief. Um, so there's, as soon as there's something good, uh, it's taken away. I mean, that's kind of like, it's hard to deny that that's how things work. That's how life is. And it's the worst, it's even worse when it's, when you, allow yourself to be vulnerable and you love yourself to really care about something and then it's going to get taken away. Whoa. It's like, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's like that. It's like, shit. I thought I was able to take a step back, but I wasn't. Um, does that make sense? Kind of. So, so like, I think in these images Jesus is giving of, of God, of, of God in our midst of, of whoever's pulling the strings, um, is acknowledging that that's how we, that's, it's easy to view life that way. Um, and I would posit that even if you're, if you say you're agnostic on the question of God's existence or, or you don't particularly have a stance, or if you're, or if you're an atheist who thinks it's all, um, it's all kind of has no inherent meaning or it's just stuff bumping into other stuff, that that is, in a sense, taking a side in this, this debate or this, 
these two ways of looking at things. If it's all stuff bumping in under stuff, that's not that different from a uh, from being in a world controlled by kind of a, a slave driver or a, 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 a one who one who um, lords over us, or like a thief, because as if you know about entropy, um, <laughs> entropy is like the great thief of of order of of connection of uh, some stability in the, the chaos. Things are heading toward more and more disorder. So, so that's kind of where we stand. But then, um, is anyone watching the Olympics, by the way? Yeah. Is anyone like into, like kind of inspired by the Olympics? Am I the only one? A little bit? And kind of surprised by that. Um, I was I was uh, watching it mainly because I was um, just one of those like need more TV zones. Um, but I found myself, in spite of myself, being like moved a little bit, seeing all these countries walk. The refugee team that was pretty cool. Um, uh, and. I also even found myself be, being moved by like the things that whoever the president of the Olympic Committee was saying. He's like, he was kind of acknowledging how messed up the world is. On this like huge global event, he was saying, you know, we live in a world where people don't really care about each other and are divided. And um, he's like, part of what we're trying to do here is in this little village, people all over the world are like living together for a little while. People whose countries, you know, North Koreans are there, and like, um, and and uh, and uh, and yeah, I was like, kind of moved, and, and it was acknowledging this thing is fleeting. It happens once every four years, and it's not really, it's not like, it doesn't have any real power in the world to like make that happen. It's sort of a symbolic thing. It's a temporary thing, and yet it somehow um, is a little glimpse of maybe the way things could be. Um, and he's even saying, you know, in here we're all equal. And I was thinking, well, but isn't it also like, if you don't win a medal, do you really feel equal? But I think like there's something about that. Like you're all you're all competing as equals. Um, what Jesus says in sort of a counter argument to these views of God as slave master or thief is um, is first it says that. Um, Fear not, or like, don't be afraid. Can you read that first line again, Brandy? Do not be afraid, little flock. Yeah. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So that's confusing. And the kingdom stuff and the father's stuff is distracting and um, sexist. And um, the way I understand it is like this, the one who's giving us our lives, reality, everything that happens. Um, Jesus is saying and living out and showing um, that in truth, if we, if we can learn to see properly or see clearly, um, we'll see that the one who gives is not a tyrant or a thief, but something more like a loving, um, intimate parent, um, something more, that's one of the symbols of God, something more like, um, uh, one who, in the midst of empire and, and oppression and um, 
occupation is setting up a new order of things, kingdom, a new, a new um, government of reality, a new government of the way things are, of the way people are. Um, and that's sort of like what the Olympics is like, this, li this little like showing us a little different way that things could be organized. That's what I think of church. That's what Root and Branch is. It's like we're a little, we're a little um, imperfect, fumbling glimpse into a different order, a different uh, jurisdiction. Um, and he's saying that is already there. And this, the one, like, reality has given us that. In history, Christians, like, look, you know, happen to look at this moment in history as, like, when that order broke into the world and started, we started seeing how things could be. And um, it's sort of tending that way, but we can help that along or not. <laughs> um, but I think, and then, and then church can do that. I think also in our lives that can happen. I think we, I know I, um, this, this, I always forget, I forget every day that there's already enough love in my life. There's already been enough people in my life, um, enough things that have happened that have set me up for, um, to be loved. Like, I, like, I don't need new, I don't need a new injection. It's already there if we see it. So Jesus is saying, in order to not see God as tyrant or thief, you need to um, realize how the kingdom is already given to you. And whoever gave it to you wanted to, was well pleased. The people, there are people in your life, there are things in your life. Maybe this is a newer phenomenon. Maybe your family of origin wasn't so good at this, or, or was good in some ways, but wasn't good in other ways. But there's already spots that, um, what was it, that hovering, like angels hovering around. There are already angels hovering around. Um, and so that rather than seeing God as tyrant or thief, rather than when we recognize and admit that we're not in control of our own, most of what happens, we're given stuff, things happen, um, rather than uh, seeing that as a tyrant, it's um, somehow seeing that as uh, a loving parent that we learn to see in the stuff that's given um, more and more gifts. And even when the giver of all reality, reality is the taker, the thief, the, the taker of, of people we love who have them move elsewhere, learning to see even in there, even in those thefts, um, moments of uh, of gift, uh, moments of um, not, not our treasure being dissipated, but like the treasure that was given is somehow in like some great Roth IRA that is eternal. <laughs> uh, that's bad, and I just came up with that on my feet. Um, so that's not gonna be in any kind of book of quotations. But um, so, Riley. I first met Riley, he was, our, he was our neighbor when Tim and I were roommates in Logan Square. And he, um, hi Riley, I hope you're listening to this. Um, he, the first time I met him was in the laundry room downstairs and he kind of started, he's the kind of guy, if you've met this guy, who's uh, one of the most enth enthusiastic, encouraging, um, uh, like, like, Joy, like joyful, energetic, but also real 
um, people. And he basically spilled his gut. He like told me all about uh, what was going on in his life and relationship drama and all this stuff, like within 10 minutes of meeting him. And often when that happens, I'm like, oh, this is great that someone is being so open and vulnerable. But I'm like, there might be something wrong with him too. Like, like, like spill it all. Uh, I love you, Riley. This will all come together. Um, you know, it's like why, like, like kind of like I'm promising something, and then, um, but there's something about doing it so quickly that's like, are they gonna follow through with this? Is it sort of cheap to them? Is this, is this real to them? Well, fast forward, and it wasn't cheap to Riley. Riley, uh, when he found out Tim and I were trying to start a church, he's like, sweet. Where do I sign up? Can I come? And Riley became one of the most um, like, uh, central or, or like supportive, um, generous, uh, active people in the church. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't just a flash in the pan. Um, and not just in a way, not just sort of um, pitching in, cooking, showing up, um, being great presence in this small group that some of you are in, um, but actually being incredibly encouraging of me at a few, a few important times, um, including the night before he left, which was just a few days ago. He, uh, he had a little, he was at a bar, a couple of old friends, and he, he sent me a text, hey, I'm, I'm at this bar. I, and I went, and he told me to, I mean, first of all, there was like Riley's grin, his, his enthusiasm. Part of me almost didn't want to go because I knew it would be sad to, to actually say goodbye. But he told me two things that, um, that helped me see in disappearance, in loss, um, how if we're open, we're, if we're receptive, there's, uh, there's blessing or there's gift or there's... Um, uh, there's, there's the kingdom, there's the new order. Uh, that poem talked about we're all citizens of loss. That being citizens of loss is maybe the name of this new order. Um, he said, first of all, he said, Neil, Liz and I, Liz is his wife, Liz and I have decided um, to continue giving to Root and Branch even though we're moving away. We're not going to be here. And I was like, man, good thing I came to this going away thing. That's, uh, no, but he, it was clear that that was independent of that. Um, I, was, I was kind of, I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, whoa, like, th that's not at all what we would ever imagine or expect. Um, he's like, this is still my community. Um, I was like, what do you mean you're not going to be here? Um, he's like, this is still, this is still with me. I, I, I still want to be connected and involved. And then the other thing he said to me is, Neil, I was talking about a friend, uh, with a friend about enlightenment. And um, I've decided that you're almost enlightened. <laughs> it's like, thank you, like, thanks. Um, and, uh, but he said it as though um, it, were, it was a big deal to be almost enlightened. And that, but you know, that made me think. So, like, I'm supposedly one of the like spiritual leaders of this community, and um, and 
how cool is it that you could say to like the spiritual leader of your community that like, you're almost there. Like you're almost, <laughs> you know, like, um, which is true. I don't feel, in, I don't feel like I've m made it. I mean, I, I think my, my view of salvation or enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, um, does include, uh, moments of enlightenment and then falling back or unfolding of enlightenment or progressive. But the reality is like, I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not enlightened. Um, and, but I just felt in that moment really seen and recognized and loved that he was like, you're heading that way. That's where you're heading. Um, and I feel like those words, I feel like that's something I almost want to like initiate a ritual where we tell each other, you're almost enlightened. You're almost there. Like, you're headed that way. I feel like that's a way, that's a gift, that's a way Riley is, um, I mean, his, those words aren't going, they're, they're affecting me. I think about them. I'm thinking about them each day, not just for the sermon. Thank you. Thank you, Riley. Um, last thing, I know I've gone on way longer than I thought. Um, I was telling my friend Lucy, who's visiting here, um, who, hey Lucy, what's up? <laughs> who's, uh, I just read this this morning, so don't quote me on the science of it, but if you need, um, this, the, the other big thing in this text is talking about staying awake and being vigilant and paying attention. And um, I was thinking about that and how that sounds like be always on alert, like stay up all night if the, if, Messiah comes, if, if God, if, if, you know, what you're waiting for shows up on the scene, be like looking for it anxiously. Um, but the, what Jesus says right before this is that whole famous passage about like, consider the lilies, how they, you know, the toil and the spin, like basically don't be anxious, don't worry. So I don't think he's saying be really an anxious high alert. Um, he's saying something about how we can be watchful or aware of when, um, the crazy mix of good and bad stuff, like we can be really on alert for, uh, for this, this new way of doing things I'm talking about where, where um, love is the law, love is the rule. Um, and it turns out that there is uh, a part of your nervous system, your autonomic nervous system, which regulates like the flight or flight response called the vagus nerve. Not like Las Vegas, like V-A-G-U-S. It's a nerve, and apparently, it's a nerve that can be in good shape or bad shape. So this isn't just, this isn't just in your brain, this is like part of your body, this like goes through your body. Like, the, that nervous system is part of breathing and your heartbeat and, and your gut, your bowel movements probably. Um, and, it turns out if your, vag if your vagus nerve is in good shape, if it's well-toned, you are less anxious and more calm and present and, and receptive to, um, to what's happening, to what's coming. If it's in bad shape, if it's like atrophied and, uh, and sad, um, you're more anxious. You're more on high alert. You're more, your flight or flight is more like, you know. Um, and it turns out it's not something you can like go to the gym and exercise. The way that it is in good shape is if you have people in your life 
with whom you can be vulnerable, with whom you can be real, with whom you don't have to kind of like worry about how they're perceiving you, what kind of impression you're making. You don't have to worry like, uh, are they being nice to me because they want something, or like, do I am I doing you know the kind of normal way we do stuff. Um, if you don't have folks like that in your life, your vagus nerve is going to be limp and weak. <laughs> this is probably all wrong scientifically, but I, I think it's right. Um, so being on alert in this way, I'm positing, is having a healthy, in good shape vagus nerve, a healthy, relaxed. Um, and the only way you can do it is to see, to have folks in your life, or I would posit a, um, a recognition that life itself, that um, whatever mystery is just pulsing and continuously giving us, um, really likes us, really um, wants uh, us to do well, and wants um, the best for us, and is already kind of uh, given us what we need. Okay. Amen. <laughs>